Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of AUSU Open Mic. This is brought to you by the Athabasca University Students Union, and we're proudly bringing the podcast to you and over 38,000 undergraduate learners here at AU, and we've got a really great episode here today. Um, we're bringing back a, a veteran podcast member with us, uh, Richard McLeod, who is a member of the AU team. And uh, Richard, you're going to have to uh, correct me here, but uh, your title is slightly changed. Uh, at last time we had you on the podcast, you were the AU registrar, and now you're the director of ILE Student Administration. Is that correct? That is totally correct. And I'm just uh, smiling to myself that you gave us a, a good intro that this is going to be a really good podcast. But but I'm guessing you say that about every podcast. So now I've got to live up to that, I guess, right? You know um, what? You don't have anything to worry about. The last time we had you on, and we were joking about this before we came on here today, uh, it was like March of 2020. So it's it's great to have you back. And uh, actually, the last time we had Richard with us, uh, he was a guest for episode 25. And this is like 50 something, uh, 54, 55, somewhere in there. So yeah, sorry, I'm still spending the royalty checks I'm getting on a monthly basis <laughs> from, from the last podcast. I appreciate that. So um, yeah, so I sorry, I, I'm not trying to um, obfuscate your question. Yeah, so um, because the size of this project, which we call the Integrated Learning Environment or the ILE, is so large, um, we, we know that to get big projects done, you actually have to con people, put people to work full time on those. So I agreed um, with uh, uh, Anne-Marie Scott, the deputy provost, to be fully seconded in as the director of student for the integrated learning environment. And with me, I brought two of my uh, right-hand people. So Mark Fabro, who was an associate registrar and is now seconded, and Patricia Sol Solik, who was an assistant registrar and is now seconded. So we're the three amigos on the business side of the ILE. So that's kind of where we're at now. And that's what our work life consists mostly of now, although sometimes we're drawn back in to the day-to-day -day operations. And I will just quickly, not to um, not to get too off topic, uh, when we last talked, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since uh, March of 2020, as we all know. And I'm hoping that the listeners who are the students um, are still doing okay and are still getting the supports they need in their studies. It's really a challenging time um, in the best scenario to balance your work life with your personal life with your academic life. Uh, yeah. and it's even been more complicated in many ways with the pandemic. Anyway, so. No, you're um, absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. It's, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there's been so much that has happened since the last time we've had you on here, you know. When, when we had you on before, we were talking about, you know, best tips regarding everything AU. Like we were talking about AU timelines, uh, registering for classes, uh, student aid. We were talking about convocation. And today, however, we're going to be talking about one of the, what I might refer to in, in my short time here uh, with AUSU is maybe one of the largest university-wide initiatives that AU has ever taken on since they used to send out student packages by mail and by mail, I mean, actual mail. That's uh, right. It's called, and, and Richard mentioned this earlier, it's called the integrated learning environment or ILE. So before our listeners start to glaze over and think, what the heck are we talking about? I want to just throw out there that this conversation is going to impact students a great deal. 
And uh, this new platform that AU is bringing on, uh, we're really going to be shedding some light on it here today. So, um, Richard, just quickly, like, is that a safe statement to make that, you know, this is one of the biggest university-wide initiatives that AU has taken on? Oh, without a doubt. So, yeah, I mean, this is um, all told between like an $8 million and probably $15 million project. It depends how you account for internal resources. Yeah. Um, uh, but the scope of this project is huge because usually a project is more focused on either uh, an administrative aspects of the university or on an academic aspect. That is things that um, a student would see within a class, for example, you know, the delivery of the, the courses uh, and the programs. But in this case, we're doing both at the same time, right? So yeah. This, yeah. this is a very large project we're doing. Um, and I'm just going to jump in a little bit. So right now we're using various platforms to deliver the student experience. Uh, and in my mind, I really try to delineate the academic experience. That is what a student experiences within a course or within directly within their program um, with contrast with the administrative experience, which is usually more of what the registrar's office would do. We want to get you into the course. We want to make sure the the fee payment is done. We want to make sure your transcripts are correct and go in a timely manner, your course extensions, that type of stuff. There's obviously a gray area in the middle, right? But yeah. in this case, you know, we're doing both. So the main tools we use to deliver courses currently would be Moodle. Um, that's the learning management system. That's what a student um, logs into and interacts with their tutor or the academic expert or their coach in order to be able to um, do the pieces of their uh, um, their course, do their assignments, to get their midterms ready, their finals ready, all that kind of stuff. That's going to go away. Moodle will be, you know, I use the internal word deprecated. You know, it will um, be sunsetted out and we will start using a product from uh, Brightspace, Desire to Learn. So that is the new learning management system. And nice. in my mind, that is one of the most exciting parts of the project. Um, it, it, it's, um, what's the best way to describe it? So, you know, when you have something you've used a really long time and you just, you make adjustments to it and, but you, you keep going forward and, you know, maybe it's, it's your favorite month that you drink coffee out of, it's got a few chips out of it, but eventually it starts leaking a little bit. And that's kind of where we're at with some of our technology. We can make it all work, but there's a time when you actually have to buy something new. Oh, the best example is, you know, it's the comfortable pair of shoes, right? I mean, they fit really well. You know everything about them. You know, you patch them all the time, but eventually, you know, they have to go, right? And that's where we're at with a number of our systems. So a new learning management system gives us the opportunity to actually deliver our courses in a more up-to-date manner. I mean, any student who is listening to this will know from experience that, some of our courses are a little bit dated in some ways. We're not using interactive video. Um, we're still heavily text-based in some cases. Um, and I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, up until maybe five years ago, we were actually sending out cassette tapes for some of our language courses, right? And, you know, what is a cassette tape? Someone may ask. Right? <laughs> so, so, so. Yeah, we're one step above Laserdisc, right? So a lot of that has yeah. changed and been updated, but we still have to get there. I mean, if you went back to Business 101, you know, we have to focus on our product and our product is 
an excellent experience and learning experience in a course. So that's learning management system. The other side, which is the admin side is Banner. So Banner is a student information system. Um, there's several on the market. Um, this is one of the big ones. We are currently using Banner 8 to do administration. Um, so when a student registers online, all that data goes into Banner, when you make a payment, when you order a transcript, we're doing all that administration in the background. So we're moving to a product. Unreal. Yeah, we're, we're moving to Banner 9, and that is a more up-to-date version, but it also has um, more capabilities. And that's, I think, something we're going to get into in a little bit here. So essentially, the main parts of the project will be a new learning management system called desire to learn um, and a new version of Banner, which would be Banner 9. This is going to be an interesting chat because it's a bit of a beast. I'm going to just, and, and I really appreciate sort of the, the quick overview that, that you provided here, Richard. I'm going to just throw something out that I grabbed online. And th these are some words from AU. As Canada's online university, AU has always used technology to create an open and flexible learning environment. Today, AU is reimagining what it means to be an online university with a new integrated learning environment, the ILE, that will include a moder modern learning management system, which you just talked about, a new student information system, and a new student relationship management system. This new university platform reimagines how AU designs and delivers courses, supports, assesses, and continuously improves all aspects of the, the university's student learning experience. Now, we have a huge task here today, Richard, because that is a lot. I mean, what you just described and what I just kind of read off, the ILE is a beast and literally touches every corner of the university. So to get things started, is it possible, uh, you know, you've kind of given us an overview of the integrated learning environment sort of in general, but if we were just to kind of break this down a little bit for our listeners, why is it important for AU to take on this project when it did, which feels like years ago now, but why is it important for AU to do this now? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I'm reflecting, you know, you call it a beast and I call it a beast as well, but I call it the high drift. So every time you cut off one of the heads, two more grows in its place, right? And that is because the project is so big and we're replacing some fairly old technology, but technology that we've had for over 20 years, which means we have done our own fixes to it. We've, you know, we've customized it and we've done things um, at, uh, we, we, we did things for best intentions at the right time, but we did it in ways that kind of painted ourselves in corner from, in, into corners from a, a growth perspective, from a technology perspective. So to really directly answer your question, because of the pandemic, which kind of happened after we kicked off this project, we are under a lot more pressure competitively. Lots of other universities had to go online to be able to keep their students and deliver courses to their students. So our niche in the marketplace is under more pressure than it's ever been. And that's not a bad yeah. thing because I really, you know, I, I am a true believer that adversity, um, you know, creates excellence and that the cream should always rise to the top or whatever mixed metaphor I could use here, whether it's steel sharpened steel or whatever it is. But this is extremely important for us because without having 
um, a good product that we can deliver to overcome the barriers uh, and to create the flexibility for our students, for our learners, current and future, we are going to be forced into a position where we contract and we don't have as many students as we have had in the past. And, you know, we would be that company that begins shrinking and goes out of business, right? So so that would be the concern, right? That yeah, without absolutely. having a modern outlook um, and being flexible, we risk redundancy. Yeah, and we just finished talking about how there was a handful of, you know, old practices that, you know, I think at this point, AU needed the facelift, if you will, and needed to kind of modernize a number of elements, not only the learning experience, but also from a from the business standpoint as well. Specifically talking about students, what will students see when the ILE is launched? Or another way might be, what will students experience when the ILE is finally in place? Yeah, it's a good question. So usually when I talk about learners, I... I for expediency's sake, we sometimes group them into different categories. So we certainly have graduate learners. We also have undergraduate learners. And undergraduate learners are usually, in my mind, split into two categories. One would be an AU program student. That is somebody taking usually a bachelor or certificate with the university and intending to complete all those courses with us. Um, And the majority of the students are transferring credits in from somewhere else. And then we would have what I call the open study students. They're often called visiting students as well. These are students who are coming to Athabasca University just to take one or two courses, usually to supplement their studies at another institution, right? This is the University of Calgary, University of Alberta student who for whatever reason wants to pick up calculus with us or a history course or or flesh flesh showed um, an elective course that they couldn't get uh, at their home institution on the timeline that they want it. So these are kind of the three different types of students. So when the ILE is live, and it will be live in different phases, the first thing they will experience is a much better in-course experience. So we'll be using a more modern tool to deliver the courses. Uh, and that in itself is going to be a huge thing for us, right? So I agree. Yeah. So there'll be that piece, but it's not going to be night and day. I mean, the course will still be the same course with the same learning outcomes. What we're really creating here is a platform that we can scale up in the future. There's going to be a lot more options. So we'll be able to create more interactivity. We will be able um, to provide better tracking services for students to be able to do better monitoring to keep them on track in the course and better reach outs to students as needed. So the hope is to reduce the barriers that a student may perceive um, in their pursuit of their academic goals within a course. So that would be the first thing they would see. Nice. When we go live with Banner 9, uh, so things will be very different. So currently, almost every student would use their portal or what we call ORIS. ORIS is the Office of the Registrar um, online system. That is the front-end tool, which we've built at the university to allow students to registering courses, to apply for programs, to um, do address updates, to order transcripts, to uh, purchase an extension in a course. That will go away. So we're replacing that with self-serve banner. So that will have a different look and feel. And 
this is the one I'm torn a bit about. So we know that we can't keep this customized tool that I'm calling Oris because it's unsustainable. Uh, and, you know, I jokingly say that every year we keep it, we have to add 10% to our budget for duct tape and bailing wire, right? Because <laughs> that is essentially how we keep this product going. It's not, yeah, yeah. not scalable. So going to uh, a delivered product, usual trade-off is you lose some of the flexibility you have around customization. So for example, when a student goes to register in a course and I'll pick like history 300, they want to register for that course. Well, they're going to have to maybe take a couple more steps to find that course in a pull down list. There'll be a difference there, but it's nothing that's insurmountable. Um, you know, our students are very tech savvy. They know how to do things, um, so it you know it's not insurmountable. The other piece, though, and this is, um, I guess I'll just mention two quick pieces. So one is that we are going forward with what we're calling Start Now. Start Now would be would be a way for a student to select a course and be able to start it immediately. So immediately, you know, it could be the same day or it could be a, within a few days. It could also mean that the start now option gives a student an option to select when they want to start the course. The soonest you can start a course now would be um, 20 days from when you register if you're registering at the cutoff date. So for example, the next month you could um, register and start for a course would be May and the deadline for that would be uh, midnight on April 10th. So there's be roughly 20 days in between there, right? But in the new paradigm, if you wanted to start on May 1st, you could you know, do that now if you wanted, or you could do that up until like the day before, you know, April 30th, you could select a May 1st start date. If you have hard copy textbooks, it may take a couple of days for those textbooks to arrive, but you could still do other things in the course through orientation, um, going through the learning objectives and those other things to get going. If it's a course that has uh, open educational resources or an e-textbook, it's very likely you could actually be starting that course within 24, certainly 48 hours. So that is one of the barrier reductions, ease of entry pieces that we want to get out for our learners because in many cases, when students want the course, especially for uh, an open studies or a visiting student, they need that course immediately. And that is one of our niches in the market. And we want to just do that even better than we do it right now. So to clarify, Richard, and we'll just touch on this a little bit more. I mean, obviously within the new ILE system, students are going to have the, the ability to apply to AU, enroll themselves uh, and get started in that very first course uh, all in the same day, potentially, or within a short period of time with little to no manual processing time. Maybe the question I've got is, why is it important for AU to have this ability for students to register quickly and get started? And maybe describe the student who will benefit from this new feature the most. And you might've just mentioned it there, like even visiting students might, like this might be really great for them. There's likely a population of students that won't benefit from this, especially if there's financial aid involved, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe just talk a little bit about why is this feature important and, you know, which students are going to benefit the most from, from having that quick turnaround? You mentioned at the beginning, 38,000 undergrads, let's say 5,000 of those at any given time are on financial aid. So now 
we're at about 34, 35,000 learners. About half of those are taking AU programs and the other half are in the open studies or visiting student category. Mm -hmm. So a couple of reasons here. So the main reason in my mind is that when somebody decides they want to pursue post-secondary education, in many cases, especially for our learners, it is a big life decision. Um, they, in many cases, have been mulling it over. Some students have been less than successful at other institutions in the past. So they actually want to get in and start right away. The moment when a student applies is the time when they're most motivated. They've actually made a decision. They filled out application forms. They paid admission fees, evaluation fees. In some cases, they've gone through the Apply Alberta portal and done some work there to be able to, to create, create a student number they need to come forward and send transcripts to us. So it is really the case of striking while the iron is hot. So when you yeah. make a decision to do something, the sooner that we can follow up on that, the more likely you are to follow through. We do know based on um, our own uh, statistics that students um, are less likely to follow through on, for example, registering for their first course um, if time elapses. So yeah, I agree. Communicating with the learner right away is kind of where we want to be. So that would be that that's the main reason in my mind. The other one is just flexibility. We we want you to be able to learn on your schedule, right? Not on our schedule. Fantastic. And I think that there's going to be a ton of students that are going to love that feature. I mean, that's going to be something um, I agree with you. I think that there's an element of, you know, capturing that motivation right off the get go and the excitement of getting started with a new venture like this and post-secondary is no different. Let's shift a little bit here. And we've talked a little bit about Brightspace. Maybe just talk a little, a little bit more about Brightspace and the benefits of having a single learning management system for all AU students to engage in. Yeah, uh, I uh, thank you for that. And I will preface by saying that in my work life, I'm not uh, an LMS a learning management system um, expert. I'm more on the banner student side, but I, I will share what I know um, and I can follow up for other things as needed. So Perfect. right now, I appreciate that. yeah, so right now we, we actually don't have a single learning management system and in the future, we don't plan on having a single one either. So I'll describe the current state. So the current state, we have Moodle and although students, when they use Moodle and they're taking courses across faculties, may think they're in the same environment. We actually have about 15 different versions of Moodle running at the university, which is a bit astounding. So uh, faculties and within the faculties, centers have been able to uh, create their own instances of Moodle. And that has, has allowed them to, to be more flexible, but it's created kind of a fractured student experience a little bit. So, you know, as a learner, if you're in Moodle, you may expect things to function the same in different parts of the university in different courses. And yeah, although yeah. they're mostly the same, the differences are enough that students, you know, would be concerned or could be concerned about that. We're also using what is called uh, HCL notes, which is an old IBM notes for some learners, especially on the business side. Uh, we're using um, some other systems as well. Uh, Mobius is a system we're using specifically in some of our math courses. Yeah. So Mobius, for example, is another learning management system. But it, if you look at like a family tree, Mobius is nested under current Moodle. So going forward for D2L, 
we'll only have one version of D2L. We'll have one database, we'll have one version. Um, so we'll have more bang for our buck. We won't need as many administrators to do things at the university. Um, we can focus on doing value add to the content, right? And to give students a better experience. We will still have things like Mobius and other specialized learning management systems nested underneath. And that's not a bad thing. So it's not a one size fits all, but we're gonna just have one main learning management system. So that that is the net benefit. And we're gonna have kind of more services wrapped around Desire to Learn, to Brightspace. So we're gonna have a reorganization of the areas so we don't have uh, uh, as fractured an experience, I guess is the best way to describe it. No, I appreciate that. And it's even the visual that certainly is um, a little bit easier to sort of wrap a, wrap a student's head around, because I think you're right. I think there is that element of that, the fractured experience that can sometimes happen if I'm going from one faculty to the next. Right. Um, so I, I appreciate your answer there because it did sort of help to maybe create a visual of, of what that might look like uh, from the student perspective. Um, the next thing that I was going to maybe touch on for us is, you know, tell us how the ILE will expedite not only the application process for students receiving aid from, uh, you know, whether it's provincial or territorial uh, lending authorities, but also expand the ability to notify students about various forms of uh, financial assistance they can receive. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about student financial aid and, and how this process might be uh, expedited through that application process. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, the financial aid uh, piece is really going to come in two main chunks. So I'll talk about the first chunk. So for the first chunk, when we go live with Banner 9, any student, every student will be able to register themselves into courses. So that will include students who are getting provincial or territorial financial aid. Our current method is that it's a paper, it's a paper based process on our side. Um, I say that it, it's more of a facade where a student will go into a system, enter the courses that they're planning on taking, and then we manually put them into the system after we assess them. So we have a staff of about eight or nine very talented people that takes care of that piece. So, but that manual ent manual entry of work, in my mind, is busy work. A student should be able to enter their own information. The challenges we have, and we have a few, um, will be surmounted in Banner 9. The main challenge is these uh, financial aid courses have longer, um, sorry, they, sh they have shorter durations than yeah. regular courses. And yeah. so that means they need their own section, but we have ways to uh, make sure a student will be able to register themselves. So that's that's the first piece. Now there are still timelines associated with this. It's not the same as a start now paradigm. The yeah, student, for sure. Yeah, a student can't, the student has to do something with their lending agency before they're approved for financial aid, right? So that piece always has to happen first. Yeah, so essentially when that is confirmed, a student will be able to register themselves. Now, it's not going to be, as I say, you know, I, I can do it one day and the next, but we want to try to move away from our two or three month lead time to something shorter because students on financial aid are almost always full-time learners, right? And so that means a number of things. It means that as a full-time learner, 
in many cases, they're also not working. So most of their income is actually possibly coming from their financial aid contracts. So we want to make sure that yeah. we are still supporting these students as a partner in what for them is a life-changing venture, right? I mean, they are, they're, they're taking a specific uh, opportunities in hand, taking specific opportunities in hand to be able to transform their life. Right. And we yeah, want to make right. sure that we can facilitate that. So step one, just to, uh, uh, reiterate is financial aid students will be able to register themselves into courses, which will create shorter timelines and um, not as much back and forth with a financial aid advisor. And notably, it means financial aid advisors will be freed up to provide other types of value-added advice. The next step is going to be implementation of specific modules within uh, Banner 9. So there's modules related to uh, financial aid and awards. We will be implementing those and that will give us more flexibility and students more opportunity to be able to apply for financial aid, for, our, for us to administer it differently, et cetera, et cetera. So for example, when we talk about financial aid, sometimes people's eyes gloss over. Financial aid, <laughs> and, financial aid and awards, First of all, financial aid is the money that a student would borrow from usually a government, um, a province or territory to yep. pay for their living expenses and their tuition. But scholarships and bursaries would be the financial award section. They're the things that the university um, can help when a student applies for to supplement a student's um, financial need, for example. So two different things, but all for the same goal. Nice. The next piece that I want to kind of dive into, and we've kind of dabbled a little bit, but we've been talking a lot about a lot of new features that are going to come with the ILE. Another is another big one is this whole uh, ability of self-service. And so maybe I just want to kind of grab that term and talk about a few of those self-service features and as well as sort of having a, a single learner record, uh, which you mentioned earlier. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about, first of all, what a single learner record is and how the self-service tools that are going to be built into the ILE uh, will make a student's journey at AU smoother, sort of from that application to graduation? Yeah, sure. I'm going to start with um, some of the self-serve stuff first. So one of sure. the things I, I didn't mention that we're planning on bringing out in kind of our first phase of the product at Go Live is something called MyCreds. So MyCreds, uh, M-Y-C-R-E-D-S, and I, I'd encourage um, the listeners to actually look it up online, is a Canadian-wide initiative that is fully underway now for students to be able to order uh, and send digital transcripts and to do other things like get a digital copy of, copy of their credential, um, uh, digital badging, digital application forms, digital confirmation of registration forms. It just takes the digital game to the next level. So universities in Alberta, most of them are already doing it. We've got it slated to come out as part of our initial launch as well. So that will be a big, a big thing um, for our learners and for our ability to deliver just some of the bread and butter things that you expect a university to be able to do. Yeah. Like providing, like providing a transcript, right? So the digital aspect is just going to speed up um, a lot of the administration and be able to move things around much more quickly. So 
the single learner record, sometimes, you know, it's paraphrased as the golden record. So at the university, uh, because we have so many different systems, um, sometimes duplicate IDs are created and it's not an issue for the casual uh, user and for a student, you know, you probably know nothing about it and that's not a bad thing. But when we have multiple student records for the same person, it creates a huge headache uh, because yeah. we only want to have one record per person. So I'll give you a good example. So Jody, let's say that 10 years ago, you applied to the university, Athabasca University, uh, but you decided not to attend. And now it's 10 years later and you go in and you apply again, not realizing that we have a record on file for you already. Uh, and so now we have two records for you. So that is kind of the, the nature of what's going on. And so in the new system, we're going to resolve it and put tools in place to make it more difficult. Um, well, what's the best way to call it? To make sure we have better matching at the front end. So for example, if we detect that somebody with um, the same first name, the same birth date, the same email address uh, is applying again, it's much more likely we'll be able to stop you and say, oh, are you actually this person? Why yeah. don't you apply with this ID number, for example? So a big piece of that too is that, you know, obviously with people that are coming and going out of their academic career, um, and I know that AU loves the idea of lifelong learning, you know, you would think that having this one record is really uh, favoring that and people can sort of come and go. You're, you're totally right. Uh, the other piece that I should mention is our power ed piece. So the university over the last number of years has created um, an initiative called power ed, which is a way to deliver uh, non-credit or professional development type courses yeah, yeah. as its own entity. And we want to be able to not say, oh, you know, Jody Campbell, you are uh, in our power ed system, you are this person. And in your credit life, your degree program, you're this person. The reality is you're the same person, right? We want to be able to recognize that and to wrap the right services around a learner at the right time, right? Yeah, no, I love that. Just a couple more questions for you, Richard. And this is, uh, this information has been fantastic so far. So I really appreciate your time here today. One of the pieces of advocacy that AUSU has focused on uh, a great deal for the past few years is this relationship between student and faculty or student and their tutor. Uh, and we, we both understand the importance for students to be able to connect with their instructors and tutors regularly, whether that's getting support or academic advice whenever they need it, wherever they are. Um, can you talk a little bit about the new features planned in the ILE that will be focused on these relationships or, or ways of connecting students with those academic experts more efficiently? Yeah, for sure. And thanks for the question. There are really two main pieces. One is that the new learning, learning management system will have more functions and features to be able to do that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so that would be the first piece. Well, actually, there's three things. The, the second piece would be degree work. So we are bringing in a new version of degree works as part of the ILE. So for the for students that uh, don't use degree works, degree works is a tool that allows a student to see how their courses and their future courses slot into their degree requirements. So if you're taking a degree with the university, 
you, you've probably used degree works and you can see it's like, okay, I'm doing my Bachelor of General Studies or my Bachelor of Arts. Uh, these are the courses. These are my transfer credits come in. Um, I know I still have to do these following courses. I have to take a history course. I have to take an English course. Uh, I'm going to make a plan to do that. So DegreeWorks will be in a new version as well, which will give us new functionality. So that would be the second piece. Um, and then the third piece is another CRM. So I talked a bit about CRM Recruit and about how students will apply to the university. There's another CRM called CRM Advise, which is part of the Banner 9 suite of products that will come in after we go live that will allow us to do things like identifying students at risk through early alerts. Um, it could be a case where a faculty member or a tutor um, notices that a student hasn't been attending for a while. So they yeah. have missed some virtual lectures. They can raise a flag to that. Or it could be a case where we detect that maybe a student has failed a midterm. So right now, all this stuff is done more anecdotally. Um, and it's just a university of our size. We want to have the tools in place to be able to assist students in their learning journey in a more structured way. So good. Love it. Now, I've got a couple extra moments here. And one of the things that students are very much looking forward to in its simplistic form is the enhancement of their overall experience at AU uh, being updated, modernized, um, you know, even looking for this world-class online digital learning experience. Is that a realistic expectation of the integrated learning environment once fully launched at AU? Oh, definitely. Like the, this is what the goal is, right? The goal is to be um, best in class. So that's the vision. I mean, that's why I get up every morning, right? Yeah, so we exactly. want to make sure that, so I would say it in two ways. First from a, like I go back to my initial discussion, there's two main pieces. There's the academic piece, which is the in-class experience. And then there's the administration piece, which is you know, your actual act of registering order, transcript and extension, changing your bio demo data, all that kind of stuff, applying to graduate, all that stuff. Yeah. In my mind, the administration stuff, I don't even want students to, to really know about it. It should just be a given that it's there and it should be super intuitive when they want to go do something. And we should even be providing reminders to a student when they need to do it. So for example, Jody and the scenario where you're about to finish your last course, we want to detect that and make sure you've applied to graduate, right? So yeah, exactly. And you know, in a case where you've actually maybe um, had to get a third extension in a course, and this is the first time you've ever extended a course three times, we want to reach out to you as well to see what's going on because it's it's something that may be indicative of you needing extra support. So you know, that's kind of kind of where we want to be. Um, on the academic side, though, the learning management system is key. It's going to give us the ability to update our courses and provide a better, more interactive, interactive experience for our learners. Um, I, you know, I can't overstate it. Um, the learning experience, how you do within a course, drives your success, not only in that course, but your, your desire and want to register in subsequent courses and to be successful. Yeah. Okay. So... For, for me, that's the critical piece. You want to enjoy what you're doing. You want to enjoy the course. You want to feel like you're on a path of discovery. Um, and you want to, um, you know, 
get the neurons firing. You want to actually get joy out of what you're doing, right? And I know maybe I'm overstating it for, you know, not every learner is going to enjoy every course that they do, but I certainly want people to get satisfaction for a job well done, right? And in order to be able to be successful, you need um, support. You need a modern environment. That That's, in my mind, that's the main goal. Yeah, I agree. And that's certainly been something that we've been talking to the university about. Um, and again, like I said, we've been having similar ILE type conversations for a couple of years now, and maybe even longer. Uh, so the fact that we're getting close to the launch later on this fall, um, you know, in many ways, there's a level of excitement coming with it, just knowing the potential that it's going to have. In short here, what do you think will be the best part of the ILE once it's fully launched? If, if, if there is a, a way of answering that, is there one piece where when you show up at a meeting and you're like, oh my goodness, like th- this piece is going to blow students away. Is there anything that fills the rest of that sentence? Yeah, I would look at it in two ways. The first one would be looking at satisfaction rates for students in a course. So looking for students who are taking their first and second course and just, you know, looking at the course reviews and seeing how students are actually enjoying their courses and they're actually learning. So the focus on the learning objectives and, you know, for me, that would be, you know, something that I think would be hugely beneficial. As the registrar, the part that I am most jazzed about is looking for student success rates to improve. So even improving our student success rates by 2%, 3% is huge when you look at the numbers of students that we have, right? Yeah, that's so, right. You know, a thousand learners, 2000 learners who are now successful, who may not have been in our old systems, because we are proactively reaching out to them, providing them a better in-course experience giving them more opportunities to interact with their tutor, with faculty. I mean, all that stuff for me is, they're, they're the hallmarks of success for a project like this. Yeah, exactly. I told you this was going to be a beast. I mean, anybody who is not familiar with acronyms, I mean, everything from Banner to Moodle to the CRM to the ILE, like if you're not comfortable with acronyms, this conversation might be a little confusing, but I think breaking it down into some smaller bites, Richard, has been really helpful. And we really appreciate you hanging out with us here today. Do you have another 30 seconds? And we're going to see if we can actually do a a quick rapid fire section of just a couple more questions, but we'll just see how quick we can rip through them. Are you down for that? Oh, for sure. Okay. So here we go. So the first one, will the move to the new ILE, ILE platform disrupt current courses for students? It's the plan is no. If you're in a current course, then, for example, if you're in a Moodle course, we're going to keep you in that Moodle course until that course is done. So the plan is that no, it will not disrupt uh, your course. Uh, The next course you register in will be in the new system. Right. So then you'll just transition over in at that time. Right. Will the new platform speed up marking times for tutor and course experts? Uh, good question. It may, it really depends on the pedagogy of the course. It depends on how the course is designed. So, uh, the impediment for speed there isn't necessarily a system issue, right? It's probably the the user still. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if, if an assignment is submitted, uh, it depends on the, the tutor getting the assignment and then marking it. So, 
I wouldn't say that that is directly dependent on the ILE at all. The next one I've got is, will there be any training or tutorials provided to students on how to use the new ILE platform? There will be. The goal in all these things is, and and this is the three-letter acronym, it's the UXP, the user experience. So the goal is it to be like somebody using a modern system. Like if, if you've ever purchased anything from Amazon, and I know probably the vast majority of people listening have, yeah. all that stuff's really intuitive. You don't really need a help sheet to do that, right? So that would be the goal that all the help that you would need would be in line. That is to say, when you when you are trying to do something, the right information will pop up for you at that time so you can do what you have to do. The plan though is to have, I would call them artifacts, trainings, training pieces that may be needed for some of the pieces that might be a little bit more complex. I won't go into all that now, but there might be some. For example, um, if we implement MyCreds, when we implement MyCreds, which is the ability to order transcripts digitally, that might need a little bit more information associated with it. Not just to do it, but to understand what the options could be as well, right? Say you want to download a copy of your digital degree. Well, okay, that's good, but what next, right? Last one, and we kind of touched on this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. Can students expect to see communications coming from AU when it's time to transition? Will will students need to do anything or will it be more of an automated experience, kind of like what you said, which is, okay, now I'm just going to register for a course and I'm automatically going to see the new platform appear? Yeah, there will definitely need to be communications um, because th- things will be changing, right? So yeah. like even for things like I mentioned about your your current course being in Moodle, but future courses being in a different learning management system. I mean, that stuff, it might be confusing for a learner, right? So we will we will send out communications um, as we get closer to launch. And, but, but we, we, um, we wanna celebrate the successes with our learners as well um, as we go along. But we also need their input, right? So we need input, like we, we can make a lot of assumptions about what a course should look like, uh, but without interacting with our learners, it's very easy to miss the mark on that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, yeah, I agree. When you think about timelines, uh, what are we looking at? I, mean, I know we were talking about, you know, at one time it was September uh, type launch. Now we're kind of talking more like a fall type uh, uh, a launch for AU. Um, is there a nutshell version of, you know, what are the timelines that students can expect? <laughs> I can't give exact timelines. I can tell you that it's, as you said, it's a huge project. So we are committed to getting part of the project uh, delivered in the fall. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, because some of that has just gone to the board uh, very recently. So we will need some approvals if we are going to change some of the timelines. But essentially, the size of the project is so big that I don't think it's realistic that everything would be done and tested and ready to go for the fall, but there will be pieces of it that we'll bring forward in a stepwise fashion. If you didn't know what the integrated learning management system was going to be at AU, we hope that this podcast and speaking with Richard McLeod, see, I I, I still sometimes re- refer to you as the AU registrar, but I'm kind of leaning towards Angela now a little bit now that she's <laughs> kind of got that uh, that title, but Richard, today, you are the director of ILE Student Administration. So for this podcast, that's what we're going to run with. That's, that's excellent. I appreciate it.
it's been great learning a little bit more about the ILE uh, and everything that's built into it. The one thing that we can agree on is that this is a big project. And I think what a lot of students are excited about is being able to experience the ILE. We're hearing a lot about it, but when students can actually get in there and see the, uh, the effects of this new software and some of the different platform features, self-serve, you know, student aid, we've talked about a lot of it today. I think that's what kind of gets us excited about it. So uh, we know that things are going to slowly come out over the fall. Uh, so definitely uh, stay tuned for that. There's some exciting things going to get rolled out. So Richard, thanks again for for spending some time with us and talking about the ILE. And uh, I mean, you're a, you're a podcast veteran now. You're, you're, two, <laughs> you're ep- two episodes in. So we're, we're going to have to find another topic to bring you back for number three. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I enjoy interacting with uh, with you, Jody, on a personal level and a professional level. And, you know, I really want our learners to know that we we want you to be successful. And as I said, this is what gets us up in the morning to find ways to help you to be successful. We know we have non-traditional learners and it is difficult to balance your work life with your professional life, with your academic life. And, mm. uh, you know, we want to be there for you. Well, thanks again, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on our podcast again. This has been another great episode uh, with Richard McLeod on AUSU Open Mic. Thanks for joining us and uh, have a good one. All right. Thank you so much.